Welcome back to the Mountains and the Sea. I'm Christy. This is Josh. And we're so glad you're back with us today. Hey, Josh. Christy. Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays, everyone. Yeah, happy holidays to everybody out there, all our listeners. We hope you're having a great Christmas. You might be listening to us while you're traveling to or from somewhere for the holidays coming up. So we hope that you're safe and we appreciate you having a listen. Today, we're wrapping up our Lotus Flower episodes. Man, it seemed like a lot of these. Well, it was a lot. This it has is, been a lot. This is number this five. This is number five. There's a lot of a lot of material to cover. Yeah. And, you know, most of it really worthwhile. So For sure. We did. Yeah. So today, we're going to cover the Lotus Flower website, talk a little bit about all the yeah, crazy all the, silliness that that was. All the places you could click. <laughs> all the places you could click. And then we're going to cover a couple of concerts. There's way more that he did during this time, but we're only going to cover a few of them because as it was, we listened to four and a half hours of music yeah. for this episode. Yep. So that's quite a bit more than we normally prepare. We're going to try and keep it brief. The... We're going to cover the 2009, one of the Nokia shows. There were yes. three. And we're talking about the final show. And we're, ta- we're going to talk about the final show that was in Club Nokia. Right. And then we're going to talk about both shows that were in Montreux, Switzerland at the Jazz Festival. Yes. Yes. So, that is right. All right. So that's where we're starting. So the website. The website. Lots of flash. Uh, well, all flash. All so, flash. So, uh, first of all, it was this, um, you know, not real user-friendly domain name, L-O-T-U-S-F-L-O-W-3-R.com, uh-huh. which even when Jay Leno said it on the nights that Prince performed, he just uh-huh. said, you can buy the new discs on lotusflower.com. Uh-huh. Well, it wasn't quite that simple. Uh, no. Not quite. Yeah. You know, things weren't always simple when it came to prints, but that's okay. No, I would say this wasn't a website that was built to be Google-friendly, what we think of websites today. Yeah, no SEO here. No, absolutely none whatsoever. Um, So 3121.com had shut down, and then this site launched in 2009, much like 3121.com when it started as a promotional device for this three-disc set. And then grew into a few more things as it hung around for a while. Right. Oh, boy. It was... I read it. There's a great interview with the uh, designer developer on... Uh, uh, Anthony? Uh, no. no. Um, Scott Addison Clay. Okay. Anthony was the designer. Uh-huh. Scott Addison Clay was the you know webmaster slash coder developer that yes. you know, built everything. That- PrinceOnlineMuseum.com has most of Prince's website's all archived. It's a fantastic resource. It's really fun to go back and dig through these things. And yeah, and they've got great interviews with people involved with each of the sites. It's not just an archive of the sites, but has kind of behind-the-scenes stories for each of the websites, which is really neat. It launched, I think, like a year ago and initially met with resistance from the Prince Estate. Unfortunately, they worked all of that out, so these so sites fun. are here in their entirety. And um, as far as lotusflower.com goes... You had to be a member to get in. Well, you don't have to be a member to see it all today. No, yes. Which is very cool. You do have to solve the puzzles, though, to get past the opening page of the site, which is this kind of 
It's a really up. dark and yeah. dystopian, uh-huh. and you know, it's like there's a almost a broken television that when you click on it plays Kiss the video, and then there's a so there's a radio on the other side. There's a that radio has, on the other side that talks uh, about Los Angeles, and yes. you need to know part of that. And then there's a sign of the times newspaper clipping yeah the kind of i think that came if i remember right because we were members from the beginning that that was posted later to help people figure out oh what the heck am i supposed to do with this it Uh made no sense there's this orby purple circle thing floating in the distance that looks like should be the focus of your attention click on it and you can kind of play with it and make it bigger and smaller and yeah that's it that's really all it does yes so you've got to combine I don't want to spoil it for you, but you've got... Spoiler alert! There's a little ticket that asks you to type in a date, and it's the date that KISS was released, or the Uh year, and then the city that's mentioned in the radio will get you in as if you were a paying member Right, and then it auto-fills in uh, login information for you, so you can just click and enter, and then you get like zoomed in yes to this website yeah. like you're transported into the lotus flower <laughs> yes, there's, so there's three like kind of galaxies each one represents one of the three albums that are part of the lotusflower.com set and that was something that scott addison clay said in the interview on princeonlinemuseum.com that was an idea that prince was really excited about that you could explore these different galaxies and move from one to the other and his whole idea was he got a call saying from a friend of his saying can you make stuff move on the internet (laughs) (laughs) what do you mean do you want me to sell merch yeah (laughs) what do you want no he meant like animation and that kind of stuff and it is it's pretty to look at it's still cool it does match the overall feel of the album it's certainly not user friendly <laughs> at all. No, but I think it was kind of fun. And they uh, they said in the interview that Mist was uh, yes, I read that was a big influence on this. Uh-huh. Which you know, if you're not familiar with it, like the early '90s, yeah, Mist was like the most fantastic video game. Yeah, it was ever like a because... 3D first person ex- exploration kind yeah, of puzzler. It was like a. It wasn't so much a platform. There no. wasn't like a linear way to move through it. You went and solved puzzles, but you could solve them in different orders. Yeah, and, and you it know, was sometimes a bigger you, piece of a puzzle. Right. Sometimes you needed to solve certain ones before you could move on. Yeah. But there was a red book and a blue book or uh-huh, something like that. Yeah. That uh, and there were is an evil brother that was talking to you. We had it and played uh-huh, it, and uh-huh. it was cool. Mm-hmm. Twenty years ago, thirty years ago. So it was a throwback in 2009 when this was right. made. Yeah. Um, which was about it 10 years ago. It's not to say that Prince hadn't just discovered Mist. That's true. That's very <laughs> as, true. As computer literate and forward thinking as he could be, sometimes he mm-hmm. didn't discover things till kind of after the fact. Yeah, or he found inspiration from things that might have been popular long ago and bringing them back and finding yeah. new twists on them was sort of his thing. Yeah. Um, that was fun. I, I liked... Oh, go ahead. I liked some of the stories. Uh, the S- Scott Addison Clay, when he came into it, he was brought in by Richard Furch. Yeah, his who, former roommate and friend. Uh-huh, who was an engineer mm-hmm. who was working for Prince. Right. And Scott Addison Clay had just finished building the website for Twilight as yeah, part of the yeah. now-defunct Cimarron Group. Uh-huh. They closed in 2013, but... 
it was kind of like a side project for everybody who was working on it, which is kind of interesting. A rushed, cobbled together, quick and make this awesome Mm -hmm. kind of project. Yep. Yeah, it does. It even does have a Twilight kind of feel to it. Yes. Well, it's a similar sort of Mm -hmm. feel. And then Anthony Malzone was yeah. the designer. That's the Anthony we mentioned earlier. Right. right. Yeah. And he sat with Prince and they kind of played some music. And mm-hmm. he has a uh, nice interview with the folks over at the Violet Reality. He did like an hour-long video interview with them. Cool. That's, it's very good. And it's fun to hear about you know how that kind of worked out and that it was kind of like an after-hours thing for him. He had like a day job. And you know hearing him talk about how they built the site and then the album artwork came after. Yeah. So it's the album artwork's all based on... The website, not the mm-hmm. other way around. Right. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, um, and then Morris Hayes from the MPG is the one that made all the sound effects for right. the website, for which there are plenty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are plenty yeah. of cute, fun, endearing, uh-huh. silly sorts of things. Um, you learn that Rogers and Cohen did the publicity, and that is how the Ellen appearance and yeah. Three Nights in a Row on Leno uh-huh. came, came, to, pass. came yeah. to pass, and what a big deal that was mm-hmm. because Leno was coming to the end of his tenure on The Tonight Show. The first end of his tenure, yeah. Yeah. was before Conan took over and then Jay returned, but right. it was supposed to be It was final. supposed to be yeah. the end, so there was a lot of jockeying for these final... Yeah. episodes that he was going to be on a lot of people wanted to go and be able to say goodbye to jay and prince got three nights in a row it was a big deal yep. so i thought that was kind of cool yeah and he had been a friend of the show for a long time he'd appeared on for the one night alone tour he was there during the rave into the joy fantastic era had played practical jokes on and become a Target of practical jokes from Jay Leno a number of times. He had a really good relationship with NBC, I think. He did a lot of stuff on the Today Show and the Tonight Show. Yeah, and, and he SNL. was friendly with all of those people. Like he'd go on there and perform yeah. or have a joke or. Yeah, he was there for uh, what's Brian his name? Gumbel. Brian Gumbel's retirement. And yeah. Jay's retirement. You know, he got an early start on SNL. So you're right, NBC seemed to be his. Network of choice, although he did appear on David Letterman and right. has been on uh, Jimmy Kimmel on ABC. Right. right. Well, of course, but I mean, he kind of seemed like they accepted him early and in the late 80s and through the 90s, NBC was like the place yeah, to it be. It was the it network. Was, it was the network. It had Seinfeld and Friends and yeah, uh, ER. You know, and ER and yeah. a lot, you know, other dramas and comedies, Frasier, Cheers, all of that. Was kind of it was kind of the place to be. They were the co- they had comedy, they had drama. Yeah, so they had it all. They did, and so he, I think, felt like he had a good fit with them. So mm-hmm. that was good. At the close of the interview, Scott Addison Clay, they asked him why did the site close? <laughs> In a word, controversy. Yeah, and didn't expand. But I think we all pretty much kind of know what that is well it was him wanting to continue to evolve the site add more to it and prince in a word kind of ghosted him and sort of disappeared lost interest in the 
in the side and was on to other projects when he was hoping to make it more of a entire Prince universe, get a uh, discography up there, put right. more videos up, and um, the promotion for the album, you know, stopped and the site. Yeah, it floundered. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, and <laughs> Scott was asked what he would do differently, and basically his answer was promise less and deliver more, which yeah. I was like. I can appreciate that. I, as a member, I can too. It was yeah. a $77 membership, which uh-huh. got you downloads of the three CDs. Right. A t-shirt, which some people are still waiting to receive. You did get yours. We, I did you get mine. You still wear yours. I still, it's a good shirt. It yeah. actually has lasted. Yeah. And you got access to uh, all the videos and other things that are there. It served as the lyric sheet for the album, too, which I had forgotten. Each of the galaxies does have lyrics for all the songs on all three albums, which Uh I had completely forgotten about. However, outside of that and supporting an artist like Prince, you didn't get much else. So it was an expensive shirt and CD set. That you didn't even get physical copies of. Right. And didn't even include all the tracks that were on the physical, on the physical release. release. So um, if you're like us, we still went to Target and spent an additional $12 or $13, which is a good deal, of course. And we would have bought it anyway to have a physical copy. But right. if you were a member, you still didn't get a copy of Crimson and Clover from... Right. The album. Right. You did get the video. Yeah. Which was f- on the site as well. Which we forgot until we were reviewing the site. completely forgotten. And then the estate put Crimson and Clover um, and some other videos on the official YouTube channel. Yeah. And that's what Just reminded me of Just very recently. It. Yeah. 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 So you can check out that video on the YouTube channel, which is far easier than trying to get uh, Flash installed on your PC right now. <laughs> it was a great video. I thought, man made chocolate box look even worse but yeah. this that video reminded me a little bit of i wish you heaven the way uh-huh. that it was just kind of cut it was a more modern version of it but lots of use of masks of a female dancer and inside that you see prince with this uh-huh. color effect on him and psychedelic lights going on and patterns and yeah. that kind of thing all and very crimsony red flavor yeah, rub it orange and yellows uh-huh so he, you could see all three of the videos. Mm-hmm. NPL Sound had the chocolate box. Yep. Lotus Flower had Crimson, Crimson and, Clover. and Clover. And then Bria yes. had the Every Day. So every, we know. Every time. Or, oh, sorry. Every time. Every yes. time. One I, word. So I, every time. I blocked it out. I'm blocking it from yeah, my no, memory. It wasn't a song that we Every loved. Time. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a video that we hated, but it wasn't a song that we loved. Right, exactly. Yeah. It, he obviously had some sort of involvement in it, or at least approved yeah. it. Oh yeah. Whether he was there for filming or had any input into it. I think funding was probably <laughs> his probably. biggest involvement. But I thought of the three videos, two of which we covered last, last episode. episode, this was by far the most successful the crimson and clover video was. yeah probably his best video since 2004 when he released this the video for cinnamon girl yeah. which was also very very artistic right a lot of and illustration that had a work lot of and, story to it yeah it did i mean the, sto- the song had a lot of yeah. story as well yeah so it made sense that the video would mm-hmm. but you know there wasn't a lot of need for for extra story for a cover version of two different songs. Yeah, kind of a mashup of yeah. Crimson and Clover and Wild Thing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was fun. It was fun. I think the whole site, it was a little bit of a burn for diehard Prince fans, especially after being members of the MPG Music Club, where there was a lot of great material that was delivered to members 
every month during uh, one of the iterations of it. There were four or five tracks. Some might have been released before as B-sides, but there was some unreleased stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you had an opportunity to buy some best of tracks. Right. And the NPG audio shows that were like hour-long things that Prince and other people hosted and just kind of made a mega mix of stuff. Yeah. Some of which you probably had heard and some you hadn't. So there was a lot of variety there. This site, once you had explored it and figured out the mist-like puzzles that you were supposed to figure yeah, out to exactly. be able to visit, there wasn't a whole lot of value in revisiting it. Right. Yeah. The other thing it included in a little hidden spot where the, there's the love symbol on the top left side of it. Mm-hmm. And um, it was called your personal dashboard. Um, and had some news and an FAQ. One of the questions should have been, what the heck is this thing? <laughs> Um, but also had music, and that's where uh, the song Cause and Effect got a release, essentially. Mm-hmm. And also had a live version of Why You Want to Treat Me So Bad, and uh, acoustic versions of what they list on the website as Feel Better, Feel Good. Mm-hmm. And then a medley of Mountains and Shake Your Body, um, which are great listens. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a great place to go and hear those tracks. You can still hear them. And if you've got the right kind of software, if you can play audio on your computer, you can capture them. Mm-hmm. Especially cause and effect because there's no other way to uh, yeah. get that legally. Right. And it's a studio track that never saw the light of day. Right. Super cool. And there's some like videos and stuff too that are yeah there are there's like some... buried in there mm-hmm. if you want to you know spend yeah. an afternoon with a deep dive and yeah. uh all the videos are in the lotus flower galaxy in the orb that has yes. prince's yes nose and mouth in uh-huh. it and there's kind of this orby thing that you can spin with your cursor and choose so there are some videos and oh, there are yeah, also like photography a, in there it too it's like a globe it is okay. i don't know it yeah. felt like it was traversing the world yeah I think some, some, I remember reading someone found that it was a, that part of it was a template of some kind that you could purchase and it seemed to have been purchased and repurposed for this website. But yeah, there's some images that actually ended up in the 21 Nights book are in there and then videos from many, many eras from 1999 all the way up to planet earth videos that are in there. So yeah, that's a super fun part of it. Yeah. It's a great revisit. Yeah. I think, you know, especially since you don't have to pay for it now, it's, you can just go and visit it online. That's, that's the way websites are supposed to work. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, I get what he was trying to do. And uh-huh. it was a forward-thinking sort of thing. but Yeah, he was trying to approach it as like a piece of art. Right. Um, not necessarily a marketing piece full of easily findable information right. at all. But yeah, I would again say PrinceOnlineMuseum.com. The estate needs to figure out a way to tie that site in with theirs. The estate's got a great discography. Yes. Site um, and merchandise, but you know Prince's entire online presence, which has a history going back to... 1995, something like that, can only be found here. Well, I'm grateful that it's there. All right, let's move on to the shows. All right. So on March 28th and 29th of 2009. The wee hours of the 29th. Yes. So it started at um, 5.30 p.m. The doors opened for a show in the Nokia Theater the biggest theater area in that facility. It LA it's in Live? Los, Is that what it yes, was called? Yes, LA Live, yeah. Los Angeles. 5.30, the doors opened for the Nokia Theater. Mm-hmm. 8 p.m., the doors opened for the Conga Room. Right. For a second show. Yeah, with a different band. With a different band. Different lineup. Yeah. And then at 11.30... 
it was supposed to open yeah. for the show that we're going to talk about, which was Club Nokia. This right. is the one that we have access to. It's the one we're going to cover. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's the one that has no songs from Lotus Flower. Yeah, this whole thing was a you know <laughs> three shows in one night at three different venues in the same complex to promote the release of this new album. And to my knowledge, I think the only songs that he played from the new album were part of show one, where he opened with... Um, no, actually, he played them in show one and show two. So okay. the first show, he played Old School Company and Crimson and Clover. Okay. Show two, he played Colonized Mine and Dreamer. Okay. And show three, yeah, it was uh, which I, I read what described as the um, postcoital cigarette. Uh huh. Yes, <laughs> it is very much so. Um, is the one that we're going to talk about, and is the one we have access to, and the one that has nothing from the <laughs> what this slate of episodes is about. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine. He's got such a giant catalog at this point. You know, it, it, just his presence uh, was enough to make a promotion. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, it didn't start until, I think, 12.50 yeah. in the morning. Uh-huh. Um, and the story was they were wrestling with sound. sound issues. Obviously, he was in the building already. But, you know, a show that's supposed to start at midnight that starts at 12.50 isn't really that late for Prince to start a show at 50 minutes late. So, I don't think it was a... Huge deal. I think it was just that it was really already late at night. People may have been irritated, especially if this is the only one that they're going to see. Yeah. You know, they thought it was going to start at midnight. It doesn't start till nearly one. Mm -hmm. You know, they've been already been waiting all night. You know, it's Prince. Wait all night. It's fine. Yeah. But anyway. So, yeah, like you said, this... Actually, when I think of, you know, we're covering this third set at Club Nokia and then also his 2009 appearance at the Montreux Jazz Festival, this show at Club Nokia, to me, sounds more like what should have been part of the Montreux Jazz Festival. It's oh, a very, very yeah. laid-back, loungy uh-huh. kind of set. Not right. not bad in any way. No. Uh, no. But definitely very, very slow. Not a lot of uh, getting up and dancing you know, right. during this set. Yes, and I guess that was an issue, too, that people were expecting fireworks mm. after they'd heard the buzz from the first two shows, which were both... Yeah, very up-tempo. Uh, very, the first one was more pop. The second one was more hard rock. Mm-hmm. People expected this one to have a big punch to it, and really it was a little more mellow and laid yeah. back. So, it was a wind-down kind of thing. Yes. I thought it started out fun with the Under the Cherry Moon. It, yeah. had, it was all instrumental, but they played a little bit of the yeah, dialogue. dialogue from the movie, mm-hmm. which was fun. Uh, yeah. thought that was interesting. Yeah, it started with two instrumentals, Under the Cherry Moon with those uh, dialogue interludes that you mentioned right. from the movie, and then it rolls into Dreaming About You from yeah. Emancipation, which is not a song he played live like ever. Yeah. Um, so that was very, very interesting to be able to hear a little bit of that. But again, mm-hmm. just very short instrumental parts. Right. And then it kind of turns into... Um, it seems like he drew from some of these 
performances for what he would later perform a few months later at Montreux. Agreed. Starting with When I Lay My Hands on You, which is an MPG Music Club track. Mm-hmm. It's probably the most guitar-driven, loud song yes. um, as part of the you know 15 songs that he played during this hour and 20-something minutes. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I thought it was really funky, kind of dirty sounding. Mm-hmm. It was... Uh, the guitar and the synths were so impressive and fun. Yes. Yeah. So, and for this uh, show, it's the same band that he had for Montreux right. Jazz Festival. It was Prince, John Blackwell on drums, Rhonda Smith on bass, and Renato Neto on keyboards, piano. Right. Another rarity he played next, which is Journey to the Center of Your Heart, um, which is a track from Shaka Khan's album that uh, Prince produced with her in 1998. So at this point, it had been more than a decade since that song was on a Shaka mm-hmm. Khan Come album. Come to My House yeah. is the name of that album. It was part of the NPG Power Pack, I think is what they oh, called it. it really? was, there was a Prince album called New Power Soul, which is credited to the NPG, but everybody knows it was Prince primarily on the album only. There was a Shaka Khan album. And then a Larry Graham album that were packaged together as the, him the, the new power, power pack. Yeah. Calling it the new power pack is the set. most late 1990s <laughs> thing ever. Yep. Oh yep. my gosh. Um, and this song, actually, there's a circulating version that Prince recorded uh, that was originally intended for Emancipation in 1996. So it actually dates back even further than Shaka Khan's cover on it. And okay. her version of it is just, uh, her studio version of it is just her vocals over Prince's instrumental you know tracks okay uh, but this was just prince playing the shaka khan was not part of this part of the performance right um, here so it was again like the only time if you want to hear the song live this is it yeah this is it mm-hmm. as as is the next track yep rave into the joy fantastics the sun the moon and stars yeah not a song he performed this, live very much this at all. is the only known live performance yeah. of this and this show circulates in soundboard quality um it's out there you can also see clips of it all over the internet so yeah. there are many many ways you can uh get a hold of it yeah I missed the Rastafarian rap on Yeah, it a that was bit. not part of it, but it I mean, I could see it. why I mean, he I, would cut it for this kind of vibe. I get it too, but it was one it of was, my favorite it was parts the best of, part of the song. Really? Yeah. I mean, and I like that song, but I thought it it was fine. I thought it was a fun play on words and stuff. Back when we covered Rave, it was a highlight for me. Yeah. But I did miss that bit here. I don't know if it was just the recording that we had or the way they did it. Now, obviously it was meant to be listened to in an open venue. So when I was listening to it in headphones, there was a lot of back and forth with the left and right channels in part of that part of the recording. Yeah, it could be. Um, And you know, maybe I'm sure in a large live venue, that would be maybe something pleasing, but it it made me a little dizzy, Ah. but I thought it was really neat. So quick, quickly touch on another instrumental is next. He plays Sometimes It Snows in April. No vocals with it. It was all instrumental. Yes. Uh, but but very recognizable, though. It was, and you could tell who the super fans were in the audience because they, they started screaming before everybody else <laughs> yes. realized what it was. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was kind of fun. Yep. Uh, then there's that 12-minute take on When the Lights Go Down, which is from The Vault, Old Friends for Sale, mm-hmm. a studio version of which is one of my favorite Prince songs. Um, the live version actually doesn't quite have the dynamics of the studio version, especially right. with his vocals, uh, but it is kind of a jazzy take on this kind of 
unknown or deep cut. Right. And it uh, included a little fun over the rainbow. Yeah. Little play in there. Just yeah. kind of inserted into it. Yeah, which he had done a lot of during yeah. the 3121 uh, Las Vegas stint. Right. Uh, he performed over the rainbow. Yes. So that's kind of probably kind of a leftover. And then he asks everyone to be quiet. Very quiet. Let's see how quiet we can get for this. You like it if it's quiet, please. For I love you, but I don't trust you anymore. A second second song from Raven to the Joy Fantastic yeah, and one that's that very personal. Really, really personal. So he really tried to get the crowd to be completely silent when he started playing this. And of course, 30 seconds into it, people are screaming and yeah. behaving like, you know. Fools. Yeah. Yes. As we like to do at concerts. Yes. Yeah. I wonder why he chose to pull these songs out, you know, a decade later. It's I don't know. Interesting. It's yeah, a, especially because of how personal they were. Um, right. You know, the song was his about his breakup with his first wife, Maite. Um, maybe enough time had passed that he felt like he could perform it and it didn't maybe. sting quite as much. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's before this next track, uh, She Spoke to Me, yeah. that he uh, points out the issues that they're having with sound, calls out the uh, two executives from AEG, the promotional company that that's their building, he says. So the buzzing you hear, you should talk yeah. to them about. Yeah. So the buzzes you hear, you can talk to them about it. And he na- name checks them? Yep, he does. He calls and- them out. He's clear- clearly frustrated. Uh, yes, and then he, he introduces the band, and instead of saying, my name is Prince, mm-hmm. he says, my name is Randy Phillips. And my name is Randy Phillips, thank you. Yeah, which is one the, of the two executives. Yeah, the AEG executive. Yeah. Now, as the song starts, when he launches into She Spoke to Me, he said, you know, Randy, and who's the other guy? I don't know. Randy Phillips, Tim Lywicki. Uh, it was Randy and another guy. He goes, "Hey, we love you." You know, like just kidding, but you got to get this fixed. Uh-huh. So he's trying to pull back, I think, a little bit on it. It's all right, Tim and Randy. We love you, right? And, but well, and he made it kind of funny, you know, talking about oh, I'd be here every night for free. They wouldn't have to pay me, but until then, I'll be taking my three million dollars a night. <laughs> yeah, you know, which oh, he do made you a really point. need to like complain about that? Well. In front uh, of the audience? Probably not, but he could do what he wanted. He, well, he pointed out he another concert wanted, with Alicia Keys, and he said it was the worst sound he'd ever heard. So yes. it was so bad, why are you scheduling the show there, I guess was my question. Yeah. Who knows? We don't know the answer to that no. one. we got a lot of material to Because $3 million a night, that's why. Probably so. Yeah. Money, money speaks louder than good mm-hmm. sound. Uh, yeah. She Spoke to Me is a song from the Girl 6 soundtrack. Uh-huh, it was uh, also on the vault. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he plays the full version with kind of this jazz interlude at the end, which is real fitting for yeah. uh, the venue. Then he goes into a song that he pulled out of the vault from 1986 that he revisited a lot in 2009. Right. Uh, and this was originally going to be slated for the Dream Factory. Right. An uh, album with the Revolution. Um, yes. And as the Revolution disbanded and the album turned into Crystal Ball and then Sign of the Times, it kind of got left behind. And um, his longtime saxophonist, Eric Leeds, had said in an interview, he was asked, is there a song that you were part of that you'd like to see be released? And this is one that he specifically pointed out. said the name of it yet. Oh, well, it's the name of the song is In a Large Room with No Light. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It had appeared on bootlegs many, many, many years ago, originally as Welcome to the Rat Race. And had kind of been, it was uncovered that while the real 
name of the song is in a large room with no light Mm -hmm. yes i read it was actually longer than that originally looking for a penny in a large room with no light have you ever felt that life is like looking for a penny in a large room with no light it's like the alanis morissette title from the prince catalog is it alanis morissette oh no i'm sorry fiona apple Apple. yeah pardon me yeah yes was Fiona Apple yeah. who did that win the pawn yeah win the pawn and then it was like a whole soliloquy of, it was a paragraph yes <laughs> it was yeah. the official title of it yep yeah uh, we get a special appearance from Shaka Khan. Yeah. That's the, probably one of the highlights from the set for me is Shaka Khan on stage singing Sweet Thing. The rest of the band kind of takes a break and it's just Prince on guitar kind of serenading Shaka Khan as she serenades him back. Yep. Um, and she does a great job singing yeah. this classic. And Prince had revisited Sweet Thing a lot throughout his career. It's yeah. one of the song that he loved, you know. The, oh, my only sadness about that was that whatever recording this was, her vocals weren't recorded super great. Yeah. She was a little muffled. It almost sounded like it was bleed through from his mic is Mm -hmm. what we were hearing. Yeah. So well, she even says at the end that, Oh wow, you weren't kidding about the sound. Uh You can hear, make a comment about it. Yeah. Uh, then there's like a triplet of songs that are kind of molded together. Insatiable from Diamonds and Pearls. <laughs> scandalous from the Batman motion picture soundtrack. And the beautiful ones from Purple Rain. Right. Um, that are fairly true to original songs, and I think a lot of fans feel like Insatiable and Scandalous are kind of connected at the hip. Yes. Anyway, they're well, very similar. Well, he almost always played yeah. them in tandem. Yeah, and they're similar kind of sounding songs. I think if you ask anyone familiar with his catalog, what song, what one song in his catalog does Insatiable sound the most like, I think a lot of people would answer Scandalous. Scandalous. So yeah. they naturally go well together. And The Beautiful Ones was the only track that he played that had kind of a sample of a Lind drum in it. Everything uh-huh. else is very live, drums, very live sounding, and this was the one that had a little bit of a sample of uh-huh. the original like 1984 drum effect cool. in it, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. He says, still that dude. Still that dude, Which he said yes. on The Tonight Show. Yes. Still that dude. Yeah. yeah. Like, I haven't changed. Yeah. I'm still that dude. Yeah. So, and that brings us to the end of the first concert that we're covering no oh well no we still have nothing compares to you yes and the curtain call yeah yeah that brings us to the fake end yes where he says good night good night and not then the, the first band time he keeps says good playing yeah. so you're like yeah we'll hang around <laughs> um but how cool to go to a prince concert and have him end the thing with nothing compares to you yeah um, i think that's really cool i think yeah. you know that or purple rain is when you want what you want to hear if you're like creating if you want to go experience a Prince concert and hear, you know, two of his greatest songs, those are good candidates. For sure. And then the curtain call's not really much. It's just uh, a little... There's like a minute of... Yeah, people yelling. Cat calling. Yeah. <laughs> Prince calling. Mm-hmm. They weren't calling cats. They were calling Prince. All right. And then we have... We're going to move into Montreux. Uh, mm-hmm. July 18th, 2009. There were two... Different performances, mm-hmm. some repetition, yeah, but some there was difference between the shows as well. So yeah. if you went to both shows, it wasn't the second time wasn't a repeat. 
Yeah, not at all. And there was a lot of, there were some similarities, but there was different stuff for everybody. Right. In unusual fashion, he introduces the band himself. Yes. uh, At the beginning of both nights, which is unique. The first performance, he says, my name is Prince. Right. My name is Prince. Which I loved. Of course. Of course, because I like that song. Right. Even though I'm often alone in that opinion. (laughs) (laughs) I have learned on the internet that I'm often alone in my opinion of that song, but that's fine. Then we have When I Lay My Hands on You. Yes, which is really a pickup from the way he performed it at Club Nokia. Yes, they had a lot of similarities. Uh He maybe changed it out a little bit. Yeah. You know, but it was... It was fun to hear yeah. it again and hear how he changed it a little. And yeah, definitely. And kind of a unique studio track to hear live. It wasn't something that made the cut very often. And he basically opened every show we're doing for this uh-huh. episode with it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So if you like something different, that's that's great. A pretty true-to-the-studio version, I guess you could say, performance of Little Red Corvette. There are yes. some differences towards the end, but um, you know the song starts and you know what it is. It well, wasn't like they a... kind of blended together. Mm-hmm. Like, when I lay my hands on you was playing and it kind of seamlessly blended mm-hmm. with the beginning of Little Red Corvette. So until he started to play those most distinct notes, yeah, he really he kind of was already playing Little Red Corvette, mm-hmm. but you didn't quite realize that until he like went into the really distinct notes. Right. So I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah, he hadn't gotten to the point where later in his career when he would perform Little Red Corvette, it was very much slowed down. He was doing sort right. of a Little Red Corvette reloaded. Right. Um, so it wasn't quite that slow yeah um it was you know the chorus was still pretty fast right he does get to the end where he calls out you know Uh slow down slow down Mm -hmm. yeah i really liked that in the play with the the crowd it was great really really fun yep everyone was into it for sure Then we have Somewhere Here on Earth from Planet Earth. Yes, which is... (laughs) Do you want to do this here or my place? Right. Try to make people go crazy, Prince. (laughs) Yeah, this was a song he had performed a lot during 2009. You know, the... There wasn't an official tour in 2009, despite having three albums and all these performances we're covering here, but all these one-offs are, that's what makes them even more incredible to me, is that he's that well-rehearsed with multiple bands, and there's, right. he's not even technically on tour. He's right. just, you know, doing these one-off shows. Um, and this is a song that he performed on The Tonight Show, also for Jay Leno, yeah. in 2009. Pretty true to the original, I would yeah. say, for uh, Somewhere Here on Earth. Then we kind of get a mashup of When the Lights Go Down from mm-hmm. The Vault. When the lights go down. And Willing and Able from Diamonds and Pearls, they blend together. Right. Said I'm willing and I'm able. I thought for Willing and Able towards the end where he starts calling them two brothers, Will and Able mm-hmm. was a unique mm. twist on the song. Mm-hmm. Willing, what's his brother's name? I like the space sounds mm-hmm. and when the lights go down. Yeah. It kind of called to the album a mm-hmm. little bit, even you know, though yeah, there the was the galactic kind of yeah, feel and everything. Yeah, the little galactic funk that we had going on with the mm-hmm. Lotus Flower set. It wasn't necessarily so overt, mm-hmm. but 
it was there. That flavor was there. Yeah, he kind of spinned it into the Lotus Flower universe. Mm-hmm. I like the uh, the studio version so much of When the Lights Go Down from The Vault, Old Friends for Sale, that I, when I hear the live versions, they never quite they live up. Quite. That's mm-hmm. one of the few cases where I feel like the studio version was never really matched or topped in a live version. Oh, well, so, that's just, just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Then we get, I love you, but I don't trust you anymore. He's pulling this from the Nokia. Yeah, it yeah like I think it. he where he uh, liked how it went over. Yep. And man, this song is just so mournful. Yeah, and it is so emotional. Yeah, it's it's good live. Yeah, uh, compared, you know, the studio version works because it is such a melancholy, he's all alone kind of song. It works in the studio as a solo thing because right. it fits the loneliness of it all. But with a band, yeah, it was it great, was real powerful. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Then he plays "She Spoke to Me" again. Yes, uh, so I really think it's an interesting choice to pull this out. This girl six. Yeah. Song. Yeah. It's fun life. It's got a jazzy kind of interlude towards mm-hmm. the end of it on the studio version. So right. I think it was part of his culling of what's going to work for a jazz festival right. for my catalog kind of song. And it kind of worked to snap everybody out of the melancholy, mm-hmm. I love you, but I don't trust you anymore. Yeah. This gets, you know, picks it back up again mm-hmm. as a fast song. Right. Um, and then naturally, that we get our first song from Lotus Flower for Montreux Jazz Festival. Oh, which well, don't is, skip over John Blackwell's drum solo. Oh, well, in it the, was yeah. it was impressive. It was part it's of She Spoke listening. to Me. But yes, yes. It's worth listening to. Sure, sure. He never disappoints. No, no. Still really, really sad to go back and listen to this or watch it on YouTube and think, wow, two of the five right. musicians on stage that are amazing are no longer with us. Yes. Yeah, so Love Like Jazz, I would think, is a pretty natural choice for the Montreux Jazz Festival where he's there to promote right. Lotus Flower. Well, jazz is right there in the name. It is. You can't you not play it. just searched iTunes for jazz <laughs> and it showed right up. Uh, I thought this was actually better than the studio version oh, of Love Like agreed. Jazz by far. I thought it was better live. Yeah, the it guitar work is great. It was okay for me. Uh, I, mean, I thought it was... I mean, the guitar was, work's very good. It's The band sounds great. It's just not... doesn't you, speak to me. So she spoke to him, but this song doesn't speak to you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what right. Saying. I liked it. I dug it. I thought it was above average. Oh, good. Uh, it lifted it above the kind of mediocrity of the album version right and then he launches into bria's all this love which we yeah. covered previously on her album elixir yes he, he really sounds like he's having a lot of fun with it for sure like that's almost completely rearranged it has the same kind of drum break that launches the song um he does a fairly true you know gets through the lyrics and the chorus and then launches into what seems like a very Im- improvised what are you gonna do prince uh-huh. And the crowd kind of calls yeah. back to him, what are you going to do? And, uh, what are you going to do, Prince? Huh? You know, he kind of far away from the microphone says, get funky. Get funky. <laughs> and just goes into some crazy guitar work. <laughs> and lets the other kind of feature some of the other band members the same way. And does this incredible vocalizing while he does a guitar solo, and it's it, that's so just cool. unreal to it's be able to so sing cool. along with your guitar the way he does, and yeah. know where all the notes are going to be. Shake, 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 
Um, amazing to watch if you find it on YouTube and great to listen to if you've got yep. a recording of this. Yep. We come to our first fake end. That's right. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> we'll sit here and beg you for more. Yeah. And you will come back. Yes, he will. Yes. Uh, so he pulls out another song from the vault that w- we've got uh, studio versions in circulation, but there was a live version that was released on his album C Note, mm-hmm. um, which is. Empty room. Empty room. Thank you. My mind went empty. <laughs> My brain is an empty room. <laughs> Um, a lot of people love this song. I'm not a giant fan of it. I think it kind of just drags on a little bit for me. And yeah. It's Once very it dramatic. got past this falsetto part, I thought it got stronger. And normally I don't mind Prince's falsetto, but it it wasn't didn't speak to me. Yeah. Uh, I just I've never been a giant fan of the song. Studio version or otherwise mm. is never hit home for me. He played it a lot during the. One Night Alone tour in 2001, 2002, mm-hmm. came back to it, and that's when the recording that's on C-Note uh, was released to MPG Music Club members. So it's a song that's you know well-known among fans. I guess it fits into you know the overall yeah. feeling of this concert. Yeah, that's fine. Then we get another song from Bria's album, Elixir. Yes, Prince Solo, not a duet this time. Yeah, I thought it was so... Smooth. Mm-hmm. It just uh, right up until about halfway through, and then the whole piano bit comes in. Mm-hmm. It got a little loungy for me after that, but I think that's indicative of jazz. And not your just, favorite. It's, it's not something that I'm going to revisit a ton. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. I mean, it wasn't my favorite song to begin with. I like the the studio version was great because you kind of got this surprise of Prince yeah. joining in in vocals. Um, here you get him all to yourself, but I don't think it's any... Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, it's it's not a huge improvement or anything. There's no big twist on it like there was with All This Love from right. the studio version. And then he pulls out in a large room with no light once again. Right. He definitely came back to explore this song quite a bit. Yes. Um, Man, it's an interesting it. song. It's so... Uh, like, the lyrics are... Really, like, dark and... Yeah, dystopian, like uh, you were describing before. Very, like, sad, but the music is so, like, poppy. Yeah, even his... Sha-la-la-la-la-la. Uh-huh, yeah. Sha-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Yeah, there's a contrast in there, for sure. Which I thought it was... That made it super interesting for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everyone has... Loved the song since the 1986 studio version started circulating among fans. I mean, it's not a great version of it, and there's still not a real uh, low-generation version of it circulating. So there's a lot of hope that this might see a large room with some light someday. Yeah, that'd be great. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, But we do have this performance that's uh, that's great. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Then we get... Another fake end before he goes into his final yes swan song yes and this matches exactly how the club Nokia performance ended with Insatiable 
and Scandalous mm-hmm. and The Beautiful Ones. Right, and nothing compares and to you. And then nothing compares to you bringing it all to a close. Um, and the same drum samples from The Beautiful Ones um, from the 1984 Lindrum feel are, are part of it. Um, but otherwise, if you've heard the Club Nokia performance, this is really very, very, very close. Like he was happy he did with it. Some, yeah, well, he did some nice shout outs to the band. Yeah, and when you need a, you, you don't, don't need, need a big band when you've got this band. Oh, yeah, and the, to think that there's just out Morris Hayes. four of them, uh-huh. uh, well, five if you count Morris Hayes, he came on and off stage right. throughout this. But yeah, for just four or five musicians on stage, mm-hmm. it did sound like a big band. Yeah. We've in a got, good way. Yeah. In a really good way. And we've got too many hits. We'll be here all night. Yes. I mean, he just had some fun things that he shouted out, which is part of the charm Uh of this concert is just to be able to hear him Mm -hmm. interact that way. Yeah, because this was a big show. It was a big thing for him to be at this festival, um, but it did have kind of a loose feel to it and definitely a really nice live band feel. And uh, some of the best Prince guitar work that you're going to hear from start to finish in, yeah. a, in a concert. Agreed. Uh, he never put down an instrument either, which is yeah, you know, a little unique. There are times, you know, during yeah. other concerts that uh, he lets the band take over and becomes band leader, vocalist. But here, he's a contributing musician throughout the entire thing, which oh, well, for me only is great. Four of them up there most of the time. Yeah, there wasn't so. a lot of leeway to you know go off and do something else. Yep. All right, that brings us to the end of the. First show, mm-hmm. and then the second show, same day. Yeah. He's he's doing it again. He's doing it again. Yeah. Uh, starts off the same way with Prince introducing the band uh-huh. and going into When I Lay My Hands on You. Yep. And then things take a different turn. Then they do. Then things change a little bit. We get Stratus, which is a cover of a Billy Cobham guitar solo instrumental, instrumental yeah. song. And it starts with... I am here, where are you? Which we... I am here! Where are you? (laughs) Is a callback from... It's a song called Rebirth of the Flesh. Thank you. He, that's part of the chorus of that unreleased track where he says, he sings, we are here, where are you? Everybody jammed to the new boogie groove. Yeah, I think that's kind of fun. It's a nod, a wink and a nod to... If you know me, you you know this. You, you shouldn't know this, but you know this. I know you know this. I know you know this, and you shouldn't know this, but you know this, and I'm going to play it for you and make you happy. And then it ended up in cause and effect. Yeah, it is the opening um, shouts in cause and effect of Prince saying, I am here, where are you? They're lifted directly from the Montreux performance. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is super fun. Yeah, and Stratus is uh, kind of a band workout that he used, like the song The Jam, throughout the I don't know, last two decades of his career just to give drum solos and keyboard solos and his, his own guitar solos. It was just a fun way to yeah, make sure everybody, highlight everyone. Yeah, everybody got a little, little love, a little yeah. chance for the audience to scream in appreciation. Yeah, and yeah. later on uh, when he formed Third Eye Girl and had Third Eye TV, there were streams of Stratus mixed with Boom from Lotus Flower, and it was called Boom Stratus. All instrumental, but it kind of it was a mashup between Stratus and the song Boom from from Lotus Flower, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, very cool. 
Uh, then we get a little Elvis Presley in the <laughs> yes, building all of a sudden. That was very surprising. Yeah. Uh, I didn't remember that until we came back to okay. revisit this. I've, cool. I've listened to this before, but I hadn't listened to it super closely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he gets through the entire song, stops and says, oh, we got to bring this back. <laughs> oh, we got to bring that back. And yeah. you know, gets the crowd shouting, all shook up. Can't hear you. It's great. Well, I mean, Prince covering Elvis Presley, I don't think you can ever go wrong there. No, he Live. brought some funk to Elvis. Yeah, he did. It was good. He did. Pulled him out of the borderline <laughs> rockabilly yeah. country sort of sound into a little funkier, yeah. which I appreciate. Then we have Peach, which was the song that was put on the hits and the B-sides. One of the songs that was new to the hits and the B-sides so that people who already owned everything would still buy it yeah and it was also a single <laughs> and it was also a single mm-hmm. and i thought it fit here really interestingly yeah this it this was an whole, interesting sort of fit it fits with the songs he's playing it's definitely a louder set and more guitar driven very up-tempo uh compared to the first set that he played and he launches into guitar solos and screams for the sound guy to turn him up. I've lost track how many times during yeah. the song. And yeah. one time you can't even understand what he's saying at the end. It's like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> just turn me up, man. <laughs> I thought it made me think of, have you seen those puzzles? That where some of the pieces are like actual shapes of things. Like you'll no, have no. regular puzzle pieces for the puzzle, but then you'll have like animal shapes. So you'll have oh, a fun. little horse or a little gorilla or an elephant. And they're like the puzzle pieces that are actual shapes mm-hmm. that fit within the puzzle. Uh-huh. That's what this song here made me think of was that it was... It fit, but in kind of an unusual way. Oh, man. That's deep. I did. I went deep on that one. Very deep. There you go. Cool. Yeah. Then uh, we have Spanish Castle Magic. This was another giant surprise, I think. And like went straight from Peach, rolled into this song. And I think a lot of people were a little stunned. Yeah. It's a Jimi Hendrix cover. Yeah. And he said some fun stuff. It's Very Far Away, Half a Day by Dragonfly. Yeah. It's very far away. Takes about half a day to get there. If you travel by my dragonfly. This Which I was fits like, into, that's so awesome. Yeah, like again, thank you fits, for the poetic. Right, but it fits into the lotus flower yes. weirdness somehow. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Then he pulls out When You Were Mine from yes. Dirty Mine. Which I'm so glad we covered before we got to this yeah, because me too. this is um he came. I think he clearly had a soft spot in his heart for this song because he played it in so many different tours, from Love Sexy to One Night Alone. We mm-hmm. saw him play it in Houston in 2001. Yep. And here he is in 2009, still playing it, and yep. pretty and true to form. And it's just, it's kind of ageless. It's a uh-huh. poppy song. It's just lovely, and you know, it's you know, kind of just a highlight. Un- I think it was like an uncomfortable sexual kind of thing in 1980 with Dirty Mind. It right. was kind of, you know, and now it's, you hear it now and it's like, oh, this is a fun song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, the edginess of it is gone, but I think that Prince embraced it. It was a fun song to play, fun song to get the audience clapping to. Yeah, everybody great, knows everybody it. Everybody knows how to do it. Yeah. And Cindy Lauper did her cover version of it too, so it's it's well known. Right. Then we get Little Red Corvette from 1999 again. It's but you know it's so fun. It was not quite as fun the second time. Yeah. And I think maybe because it's later in the set. With it being a little later in the set, you know, and he's just done some, like, fast, fast fun things that... True. You know, so I think it took a little longer for the audience to catch on to the slowdown the second time. Yeah. I also went back and looked at the track listing of the recording we have. The first performance, the first show, he played Little Red Corvette. It was the second song he played. Right. Six minutes and 14 seconds. The second time around, six minutes and 14 seconds. What? And it's not like it's an identical performance. It's just an identical length of time. So that was pretty cool. That That is very cool. So from Little Red Corvette, it slows down even further to another, another performance of Somewhere Here on Earth, which is a lot like the first night. Right. Um, also notice, speaking of things that were alike, not the first night, the first performance, things that are alike between these two shows, he did not change between the shows, which is very, very rare. He wore the same red oh. suit for both shows. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Okay. So, I don't know, traveling oh. on a budget this time or something. Or maybe he didn't sweat it he out just, too bad. He was comfortable. Yeah. I dried off between shows. Ew. I don't want to change. Ew. <laughs> Ew. It happens to everybody. Uh, I know, but ew. <laughs> <laughs> then we get, uh, she spoke to me again. Yes. Yeah. Not remarkably different. No, but he does say, you like that groove? Funky, yeah. right? Yeah, funky, yeah, right? It's really fun. You like that groove? Yeah, he was very proud of how that sort of fit in, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, that's a great little moment in that song. Then we get I Love You But I Don't Trust You Anymore. Uh-huh. This uh, is the third, third, time, third time on all three of these shows that he, yep. he performed. I would say this was a little less powerful than the first Montreux show. Yeah. I would say the first Montreux show was probably the best of the three that we listened to. It was just so emotional. Yeah. Oh, uh, the best of performance the, of this of song. I love you, but I don't trust you anymore. This okay. is the third time we've heard it yeah. now, and I, th- I would say the first Montreux show was the best one. I see. Yeah. Gotcha. You know, I like this song. I don't like the period that it came from. It's not my favorite era of Prince music. So, right. um, But, I mean, hearing him perform, perform it is great. I don't really have a favorite because it's not one of my most favorite songs, I right. guess you could say. Yep. Uh, then we get another performance of Love Like Jazz. Mm-hmm. I thought this one was a little improved over the... Over the first time? Over the first one. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's short, too, which, unlike the album version, I think we both agreed it kind of drug on a little bit. And here we've got a little more powerful guitars and a little more succinct performance at 3 minutes and 19 seconds for the yes. second second show. 319. <laughs> Not related to the song 319. No, but yeah. anytime you say 319 and you're talking about Prince, yeah. You got to you got to say it. Yeah. You got to sing it. Oh, yeah. You got to do it. And then I think the reason to have been at the second show is the next song for yes. me where he takes All the Critics Love You in New York and turns it into all the critics love you in Montreux. Yes. Tells the light guys, turn the lights down. We're going to do something different. Uh-huh. You know, as if it's improvised and maybe it was planned, maybe it was not. But this whole thing seems very, very 
um, spur of the moment throughout this song. So he sings a lot of lines from All the Critics Love You in New York. It's time for a new direction. It's time for jazz to die. Fourth day of November. We need a purple high. Uh Time for a new direction. It's time for jazz to die. Fourth day of November. We need a purple high. Just kind of a fun thing to sing at a jazz festival. Yeah. Yeah. It's time for jazz to die. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, but... mm. I object, sir. (laughs) I object. But then it goes into, he incorporates Housequake into the song. How many of y'all people know about the quake? How many of y'all know about the quake? Mm-hmm. Um, he incorporates Black Sweat yes. into the song also, which, I which thought is was really cool. Super fun. Yeah. Get sweaty tonight. Whacking. Working up a black sweat. Good God. It was super fun. He does and some beatboxing uh-huh. over Renato playing piano. <laughs> And he does some more vocalization with guitar solos that are just incredible. Yep. Um, It goes on for like 11 minutes. Yeah. I lost track of all the awesome stuff that happens. Fantastic. Am I funky? Are you funky too? Let's take a bath together. Am I funky? Are you funky too? Let's take a bath together. Yes. Okay. That's very, you know, 1982 Prince, yes. you know, suggesting that we take a bath together. Yeah. It so was there great. It, was, it was, was almost like a, you know, him channeling pre-superstar Prince yeah. in this thing. It was great. But clearly at the top of his game, um, as far as being a band leader and guitarist, crazy. Yes. Great. Really mm-hmm. great. Then we get... Our first encore. Yes. In a large room with no light. Yep. And I think it was just as successful this time as it was the yeah. previous. We talked about this show. separately, um, not about our thoughts on these shows, but about the fact that it sounds like there's a flute player. Yes, and I did a little research. I think it's I think it is indeed it's a synthesizer. synthesizer. It sounds very much like a live flute. It to really it's does. Really cool. It's a really excellent uh, mm-hmm. synth. Uh, approximation yeah or of a sampler flute. or whatever they're using whatever is, it is that they're doing it sounded completely live to yeah me. if you had told me that eric leeds was on stage with a flute i would have believed you yeah did eric leeds play the flute he did play the flute oh, okay i didn't yes. think i realized that yep okay we'll get there during the diamond diamonds and pearls era. oh okay yeah he played the flute on get off oh i knew there was a flute in get off i just didn't realize it was eric leeds yep oh it makes me love him a little bit more yep i love that song anyway then we have a second encore, Purple Rain, his most popular hit for a reason, yes. Crowd Pleaser. Yes. First show didn't get it. Mm-hmm. It was the only time he performed it for, you know, these three shows. Right. You know, I think at times he certainly probably grew tired of playing this, but he was asked on, uh, I think George Lopez was the one that asked him, is there one song that always just feels good, feels right, that you love to play, that just speaks to you, and he said Purple Rain. Yeah. So I think it was good a full job. recognition that, you know, this was a song that he'd be chasing for the rest of his career, and he was okay with that. Right, right. Um, but it even this this was unique in that it started with the crowd chants, the mm-hmm. which yeah. was kind of a, a fun way to start it, and you thought, oh, maybe this is going to be one of his truncated verse skipping versions of purple rain and it wasn't he ended up coming back and and singing it which was great right and rest in peace poor claude 
Knobs, who organized the Montreux Jazz Festival, kind of started it. I don't know if you read about his story. Oh, no. No, he died in a skiing accident oh, in 2013. Like, oh, no. Uh, ran into something going downhill and oh. met his end, which well, is really I sad. He, I hope he loved skiing. Yeah. If you're going to die skiing, you better love skiing. That's true. Make you it better not it. be like... I'm bungee jumping because somebody told me I had to go bungee jumping and we're here with the bungee right. jumping and then you die. I know. You know, if you're going to die skiing, you should die at skiing because you right. skiing. Yeah, you don't want to die like taking the SAT. <laughs> That's you a good die point. during the SAT. I don't know how you would, but it would not be good. No. But the story that I read was Cloud came up on stage. He He's speaking in French and yes. says, how about for Prince? Yes. And how about for Prince? Praising him, and uh, the story said that he was handing out lotus flower T-shirts on oh, stage, cool. and it was very, very cool. Um, and this was the second time that Prince had uh, performed at this festival. Right, he, he, he was there he in two thousand seven. Uh, mm-hmm. He spoke after both of the two thousand nine yes. performances, but yes, he yeah, this it. was the second time that Prince had been there and would appear again in twenty thirteen, right. which we'll get to in another episode eventually because we've clearly covered enough in this one. <laughs> I would Are say Are you tired so. of this era yet? You know, I don't like get super tired of it. I mean, I think it's good to have there were three albums worth of material, so it's easier to like pick and choose and be mm-hmm. happy continuing to listen to stuff. Okay. Because I it's know not like as when we much. finished Rave, we were kind of ready. To move past it. And we th- didn't but this love is... Rave nearly as much. I think yeah. this was a it was better for me. Well, and definitely these concerts were better than what right. we covered at the end of Rave. This is... Um, well, he maybe had a little less, like, personal turmoil. Sure. No, I'm not saying time, it's not without a reason. I think that made a big difference. Yeah. This, to me, I mean, I cannot even explain to you how giddy I was when I first uh, uncovered or was shared with the soundboard recording of these two shows. I probably listened to them for months straight. It was yeah. all I listened to Aww. because there's such awesome recordings. And there were ta- there was talk even from Prince that the video would be released. So again, I think there's could we please get video this? if you really need to yeah. get it. But well, I mean, it's pro I shot mean, stuff. There yes. were like four or five cameras and supposedly they weren't recording the second night, the story goes, but they it's all recorded and you can see all this stuff. So... I mean, the estate needs to make this. This is almost like a, if you see one print show, this is is a candidate. It's got to be in, you know, in the top 10. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, the Love Sexy Tour. You could make a a very long list, but um, Yeah. yeah, I thought this was, you know, Prince at the peak of guitar skills, vocalizing skills. His vocals were awesome. You don't get a much better band that includes Renato and John Blackwell on guitars. And Ron Smith's a great bass player. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Awesome. Agreed. Well, I'm sad to bid Lotus Flower adieu. Are you? Oh, I didn't realize it would take five episodes, but as we dug deeper and deeper, uh-huh. it, we probably could do another one. Yeah, but, I well, we probably could of more. There, I know there was an after show. Yeah, there was an so after show. So he played show that we two got. shows, yes. two 90 minute shows in Montreux. Yes. And then went and did an after show. He sure did. Yeah. At Club and Cannes. Okay. Uh, or cons. How do you pronounce that? C A N N. Cans. Did I say it right uh-huh. the first time? I think Great. You did. Love it when I say it right the first time and then correct <laughs> myself. That's awesome. Good job. So that brings us to our format. 
Yeah, we yeah. got to get, get through it and bid this era adieu. Yeah, unfortunately. But that's okay because there's lots more fun stuff to cover. So we cover three things. We make three choices right. individually. We choose a time capsule, something that exemplifies the area when the items were released or when they were recorded. So these, I think, really, it's a recorded thing yeah, because sure. they're shows. Then we choose a C, a low point for us, and uh-huh. then we choose a mountain, the high point. Right. So the mountains and the sea. Oh, if you will. That's how we got our name. Hey, hey, hey how about hmm. that? All right. So we're going to start with the time capsule. I always go first. You have the floor, madam. I do. The beginning of Stratus when he says, I am here, where are you? Oh, that's your time because capsule. That's cool. my time capsule. I am here. Where are you? Because it was a callback, and then it got used for something in the future. So it was kind of like right there in the middle, and it's familiar, and Uh it gets used occasionally. Like if you're following Prince-related things, the I am here, where are you gets used occasionally. So that this kind of speaks to that time, that it was kind of ubiquitous. and Good choice. Yeah. That's my choice. What's yours? Well, you said that it had to be something recorded, but I'm going to disagree. My time capsule is the website, lotusflower.com. Just for the overall design of it, which it was built to be pretty and very little regard given to how easy it is to use. Uh, which, I mean, there's an entire industry now, which I'm a part of, which is right. dedicated to user interface. And this just throws it all to the wind <laughs> and is like, what if we have like an old TV and you've got to solve a puzzle to get into the site? People don't have time for that now. It's <laughs> a 2009 thing. And the fact that just to view it again on PrinceOnlineMuseum.com, I had to go through the process of reinstalling Flash on my computer, which Mm. I didn't even have anymore. Oh, really? Oh, I had it for the last time we did uh, something from the Prince Online Museum. I still had it, but you have to manually turn it on. Yes, yes, because it's a memory hog. It's security issues still. Yeah. Go back and read the letter that Steve Jobs wrote to Adobe if you want to know everything (laughs) that's wrong with Flash. He was right, and Adobe knew it. Um, the fact that it was, you, if you were a member, you had to be at home on your computer to get on this website. Or at work on your computer uh, yeah. if you needed faster internet. Yeah, that's right. Back then. Yeah, now there was, this was kind of the beginning of the era of smartphones and mobile browsers, and it would just not work yeah, on it, it at didn't all. Work. It did not work. Yeah, no. Um, and if that's not a late 2000s kind of thing, I don't know what is. Yes, fair. All right. Then the C, the low point. Yeah. For me... The low point was Prince complaining about the sound oh, at yeah? Club Nokia. I came to see Alicia Keys here, and it was the worst sound I ever heard. And here's why. Because those people, many of whom, this was the only show they got to see that night. There yeah. were very few people who ended up with tickets sure. to two, let alone all three shows. Mm-hmm. Those people were there to hear it. Whether it was crummy sound or not, they were here to hear him uh-huh. to see him perform and if he was having technical issues i don't think he should have brought that up to the to the audience okay. that's i mean i i get that he was trying to explain it yeah as you know saying that this is why it doesn't sound as good as i think it should yeah they didn't care about that and you know what you forgive a lot of stuff 
how it sounds when it's live. Yeah. You forgive it because you're there and you're immersed in the experience. It's just like when you record something on your phone when you're somewhere and you you thought it sounded so amazing and you go back and you listen to it and it's not that your phone didn't record it right. It's that it sounds different when you're not there in the midst of the experience. That's true. It's kind of like um, you know breaking the fourth, fourth wall, wall a little bit. Uh, but I think he was frustrated and wanted to point it out, and he had tried to make the point to the organizers earlier, apparently, and it didn't work, so he decided, I'm going to take another shot at you in front of all these people. And I thought it was in poor taste. All right. But well, that's my C. Okay. What's yours? Well, I'm going to repeat myself, because my C is also <laughs> the lotusflower.com website. Not the website itself. But um, the uh, kind of the answer that the answer that Scott Addison Clay gave when he was asked, "What would you do differently?" Having been a member and sort of been a little disappointed, and you know, kind of questioned, "Well, was that really worth seventy-seven dollars?" I can think of it as, "Well, I'm supporting an independent artist whom I love." So that part I didn't have a problem with, but you know, it did not make good on the promises that it made to members um, and I thought it speaked very clearly to how quickly Prince was ready to move on from this entire project after less than a year right you know we've got three albums these one-off shows that were big productions three nights in a row on Jay Leno it was a big deal right and, and the website kinda... was just kind of left to flounder and just kind of left for dead right so that kind of left me with a bad taste in my mouth fair totally fair yeah well, I, wanna, I wanted to tell him I told you, you got to work on that website. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Nokia Club had to work on their sound. Yeah, you got to work on And Prince needed to work on his website. You work on the site, I'll be there every night. <laughs> I'll even pay for it if <laughs> I have right. to. $77. <laughs> then the mountain. Yeah. I'm going to start with my honorable mention for the oh, mountain. Okay. Which was all the critics love you in Montreux because okay. it was so great. But my mountain which was a song I was unfamiliar with, was In a Large Room with No Light. Oh, really? Yeah, because I just, I liked the dichotomy of it, the darkness of the words, but how upbeat the song was, and Mm -hmm. it was interesting, and I wanted to, like, dig into it and understand it a little more. Cool. So. Um, we We neglected to mention that there was a new studio recording of that song that was released on the Montreux Jazz Festival website. Okay. During the time of this performance, um, which we'll give you a clip of. Okay, yeah. So that's essentially, it did get a studio release. But it's a re-recording of it. It's okay. not the original 1986 version, which I think we also ought to give a clip or two of as well. Because uh, it was one of the last songs recorded with the full revolution. I think you mm. could say it was the end of the revolution era, which makes it very unique. And the fact that a band member like Eric Leeds, who's been with Prince for so long, would cite it as a song he'd love to see released. And I think he's talking about the version he played on, not the right. one that was no. released as part of uh, this concert, as part of the promos for it. Right. So cool. I'm glad you. Right. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. 
I yeah. liked it a lot. Uh, my Mountain, which if you've listened to the last few uh, episodes of our podcast, isn't going to come as a surprise to you. It's the performance of All This Love okay. uh, from the first show from the Jazz Festival in 2009. Yep. He took a song that is from a mediocre album that was kind of left for dead and did a regular performance of it, kind of upbeat, and then towards the end turned it into this incredible piece of live Prince history that yeah. is unmatched in many ways to me. It's a highlight of his live performances throughout his career. I would put stick a red flag in this one and come yep. back to it and say, consider this as top moment yep. of Prince Live. There are a lot to consider, but to me, this is one of them. Yeah, fair, fair. Mic drop. And I'd also like to thank... Hamishwita, uh-huh. who yes. wrote the 50 Essential Prince bootlegs, yeah. which we have a copy of. He covers the first Montreux episode in yeah. that. So, you know, that helped kind of inform some of our thinking about what was happening here. So, yeah, um, I, I would say pick up a copy of that book yeah. if you can, yeah. as soon as you can. Yeah, it's, it's on great. Amazon. Yeah, it's great. So, Next time, normally this is the point we've come to the end of a series of episodes about a particular yeah era, era, a particular album, set yeah. of albums, that you would be surprising me with what we're doing next, but it's Christmas, I'm going to take a little break. Yeah. So, but we're not going to leave you hanging, we're going to take our most popular episode which is about the love symbol album Mm -hmm. and i back then did not include clips of songs right so it's just the two of us blabbering on for 60 minutes bloviating yeah sorry about about that yeah um i'm gonna uh remix that episode and add clips and you know samples and different things like we normally do like you've heard throughout this episode yeah so a love symbol episode reloaded yeah exactly yeah Mm -hmm. our our own little remix so you'll get that in a couple of weeks and then we'll be we'll let you know at the end of that episode what the next thing we're going to cover is so thank you so much for spending your time with us. i had an idea actually for the end of this episode if you've listened this far yeah congratulations yeah if you listen this far and you did or did not get a Lotus Flower t-shirt, oh, we yes. want to know about it. Send us a picture of you with your shirt or send us a picture of you with no shirt. <laughs> with, with a shirt on, but with no Lotus Flower shirt in your possession. Uh, to let us know if you were a member of the music club that did or didn't get your shirt. Yeah. Let's hear from you. Or if you decided not to join, tell us why. So if you joined and did or did not get your shirt, let us know that. If you decided not to join, tell us why. We have ideas, but do tell us why. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're so glad that you spent some time with us today, and we are happy to to sit here and chat and bloviate. Bloviate. That's (laughs) a new one for me. I wrote that down. It's going to be the word of the year, 2018. (laughs) Word of 2018. All right. Thanks so much, and have a good one. Thanks for listening.